Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Have you? To be exiles? And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And since this is the inaugural episode, I thought it might be a good idea for us to both give our uh, our history, you know, yeah. our history and experiences with the series as a whole. Does that sound or good? Or non-history. No, as the case may be. So, um, I think it was in high school. Yeah, it was high school. Our a person that we went to uh, to high school with, his name is Jack. He was telling me about the series, and I had kind of heard about it, like on the periphery, uh, but never really exposed myself to it at all. But he convinced me to watch it, so I looked up Doctor Who episode one, and I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Because it was not at all how we described. And so I texted him, and I was I was like, what is this? Like, who's this old guy, and uh, why is it all in black and white? This is not at all what you described. And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and so this is when we both realized that the Doctor Who that he was talking about was actually a continuation of a series that began in 1963. Um, and so I found I found the first episode of The New Who, and I watched all the way to, I caught all the way up to where it was at that time, which was, I think, the end of the fifth series. And um, I was like, well, that was fun. But what was the deal with that old dude? <laughs> so I went back and uh, went back to the episode from 1963 and just watched all of Classic Who on completely legal means. I mean, I mean it was legal. It, some saint of a man uploaded every single episode of Doctor Who that was available on uh, on Vimeo, and I watched it on Vimeo. Um, and then I caught up to the series again, and I was just keeping steady with it, and then the writing, the writer, there was a specific writer that was really getting under my skin that I really hated, and he was the showrunner for the longest time, and We'll get to him when we get to him, but when we do get to him, just be prepared prepared for some bitch fests. <laughs> I really don't like him, and I'm I may or may not have set up this entire podcast just so that I have a, an excuse to bitch about him on the internet. Who knows? Um, in six years, yeah, in about in about six years, and uh, um, I got to the part, and this will mean absolutely nothing to you. I got to the part where. Because I had stopped watching, and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give it another shot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna grit through it and try and catch up. And I got to like the second episode of the season that I left off on, and I got to the part where Missy was twerking on a Dalek, and I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with the series. Um, and then it was announced like a couple years later 
or a year, a couple of years later, um, that he was leaving the show, and I was like, "Hallelujah!" So I, I've always meant to catch up to where it is now and finally enjoy the show again. I haven't gotten around to it yet, so that's kind of what that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is to allow myself to do a catch up. An admittedly really long, longest way around <laughs> catch up um, to where the series is now, and we did do the math. Um, if we if we do an episode a week like we want to, we'll catch up to where it currently is in six and a half years. <laughs> um, which by that point they'll have moved on, so who the hell knows? Um, but yeah. That's my experience with Doctor Who. Caleb, would you like to explain to the good people listening at home your extensive experience with Doctor Who? My extensive experience, yes. Mac and I discovered Doctor Who at about the same time. Uh, Our mutual friend Jack recommended to Mac. Mac said, Caleb, you should try this show called Doctor Who. I'm telling you, you're really going to like it. Uh, I said, yeah, Mac, for sure I will. And then I played Red Dead Redemption. And I've done that for about a decade. (laughs) See, that's not even a joke. Like, you have been just playing Red Dead Redemption for a solid decade. It's so good. (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) So, yeah, the main conceit of this series is, as we stated, a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner, a very very beginner going through each episode of Doctor Who and um, both giving their perspectives on it. I'm going to do my best not to spoil anything. Um, I mean, but... I know a few things about Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. So so just from general cultural osmosis, what have you, what have you gleamed from Doctor Who? What is it about? Um, Doctor Who is about a time wizard that lives in a time telephone booth. Um, and has Scooby-Doo-like adventures through time and presumably space. That's not wrong. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty accurate as to the show's main, main concept. Yeah. Um, I know there's a doctor that has a really long scarf. There is. Um, I know there's something called a Dalek. Uh, I think they look like trash cans. <laughs> they is do look the, like trash is that cans. Those things? Yes. <laughs> yes, that, that, that is the Dalek. Yes. Uh, and I remember you telling me about an episode about statues that move when you don't look at them. Yes. Is that Doctor Who? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yes, it is. It is Doctor Who. That's gonna be way the fuck off. But <laughs> but yes, that is an I, episode. I, I think it's, I think ninety five percent of what I know is way the fuck off. So probably probably. Uh, I feel like there's like something else I know. Oh, uh, I think that the guy who played han solo in the new solo star wars movie i think he was a bit character in doctor who i don't 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 ask me where don't quote me on that but i'm (laughs) I'm pretty sure i read that somewhere i haven't i haven't uh i haven't watched the solo movie so i have no idea for the beginning it's going to be oh this is going to be a fun little romp and this is going to be a very british television show when we get to new who you're gonna be like oh i recognize that guy i recognize that guy guy but but uh for now for the first fucking couple decades worth of episodes you're just gonna be like i have no idea who these people are on a scale of one the to colonialism how british is it from a scale of one to colonialism um 
I mean, it's probably one of the most major British pop culture touchstones in history. So pretty British. It hasn't conquered any countries yet, but like give it well, time. In a legal sense. <laughs> in a legal sense, yes. One one could argue that it has conquered the hearts of millions, and that is very British. It's not planning on giving them back anytime soon. You can come look at it in one of their museums, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, uh, this week we will be watching the very, 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 very first episode of Doctor Who. Uh, It is titled An Unearthly Child. And this is something that is probably definitely going to be (laughs) brought up. Um, When discussing classic Who... I kind of use the word episode and story interchangeably because each air quote episode is actually a collection of episodes where uh, it varies from from episode to episode, from story to story. Like this first one is four episodes long, four 25-minute long episodes. The next one I'm pretty sure is seven, and then the one after that is two but they kind of average out to about four. Um, so this first this first story, this first episode, is An Unearthly Child. Uh, it came out November 23rd through December 14th, 1963. Uh, it was directed by Waris Hussein, written by Anthony Coburn, and produced by Verity Lambert. Now, I don't know about you, Caleb, um, how much, how much um, classic movie like black and white movies do you watch? None. None. I've seen Citizen Kane. I've seen. Okay. I, I, like I, I've seen some of the like you know, cultural classics. I'd say, um, like White Christmas. Uh, oh, you know the uh, Doctor Strange Love. Um. So I'm going to say not super versed. Okay, because at least for me personally, you kind of have to go into a mindset of like I'm watching a very old thing and I have to adjust expectations accordingly. Um, Especially in Classic Who, because instead of going like episode by episode, like individual episode, we're going to be watching the entire story overall and then coming back and talking about that instead of going episode by episode because it's a very it's a very slow paced show it likes to take its time a lot of stuff does happen in each story but episode to episode it doesn't feel like as much and I feel like we wouldn't have as much to talk about if we didn't just talk about the entire story Um, and you have one of those you have several of those children things so unlike me who's uh, a poor wretch who can just sit down and watch the entirety of unearthly child in one go you unfortunately have responsibilities and shit air quotes responsibility air quote responsibilities people ask you um if they can be fed and you may or may not actually feed them so it's going to seem like seconds to our viewers to our listeners but, like, about a week might have passed between now and after our viewing. 
because uh, time travel. Ooh. Ooh. That's what the show is about. Ooh. Oh, shit, it is. Ah, oh, shit, I didn't even realize that. Um, so, Caleb, given the title, the title is called An Unearthly Child. If you had to guess what this episode was about, again, knowing absolutely nothing about Doctor Who, what do you think is going to happen, given what you know and given this title? Oh, well, that's easy. Um, This is obviously a very important uh, episode revolving around the Christ and how Doctor Who will go back to uh, the birth of baby Jesus and realize that his birth was of extraterrestrial means. (laughs) Is that right? That'd be a solid episode. No, it's not. (laughs) That's not what it's about. But, like, you know... I would watch that episode. <laughs> yeah. I I would admire the balls on this show if they started with a Christ story. And not just that, but like Jesus is an alien. Yeah, and also Jesus is an alien. That <laughs> I would respect the shit out of that. But I uh I suppose we will find out what this episode is about when we come back. And with that, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. Maybe it's yes. been a couple of seconds for you, but it was uh, a little over a week for us. Time is yeah. funny like that. Hmm. So this is normally the part of the episode where I talk about um, this is the first appearances of blank or this is the debut of so and so. But this is the first episode. So this is the first for everything. Everything. <laughs> Uh, it's the debut of William Hartnell, pretty sure it's pronounced that way, as the Doctor. It's the debut of Carol Ann Ford as uh, Susan Foreman. It is the debut of William Russell as Ian Chesterton. It is the debut of Jacqueline Hill as Barbara Wright. And it is the first appearance of the TARDIS and everything that revolves around that thing. It's almost like it's the start of the show. Uh, yeah. So just before we begin, Caleb, just overall, how'd you feel? This is your, we, we popped your Doctor Who cherry. How does it feel so far? Gross and violating. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. No, I mean, like, I, I very much had to temper my expectations going in. Um, and in some ways, like, it, it went beyond my expectations. And in other ways, it fell on its face. And I think we'll, I think we'll get onto that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that, so mixed. That sounds, right. that sounds about right. And, like, it is the first, it is the first episode. And it's over 50 years old. Um, and it's over so. 50 years old. It, but it's funny, because so I w- I'm watching it on the DVD, you're watching it on BritBox, and um, I checked BritBox, it does have this on here, on there, if you want to watch it, um, but the DVD includes the pilot, which is like, you know how when you go to see a play, and 
you think it's really good and it and you just kind of associate that story with how that was ren- that rendition happened um mm-hmm. and then you go to see that play somewhere else with a completely different set different actors and different intentions and everything and it just it feels a little wrong just a little bit because I watched the pilot just for fun, and the script was basically the exact same, couple of slight differences here and there, but the intention behind all of the acting and how they delivered their lines was completely different. Like, Susan was almost scared of the doctor (laughs) in the pilot. Um, The relationship between Ian and the doctor were very, uh, was very aggressive, like, almost violently so Ian and just in general had more of an anger issue, but like none of the, none of the lines were different. He just like ramped it up higher in terms of aggression. Like he had more of a, um, of a, no, I will not accept this kind of attitude towards the TARDIS and everything. You can go and watch it if you want, but it's, it's just a little weird. (laughs) I don't know. That's, that sounds curious. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it. in like the 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 special extras or whatever in on Britbox. Um, but yeah. So Caleb, why don't you go ahead and take us away and tell us what happened in an unearthly child? I have a beautiful summary here. All right. So here it goes. Two school teachers, Ian Chesterton and Barbara Wright, becoming. Incre- I'm sorry, that's not right. It's Susan Wright. Become increasingly interested. No, no, it's, it's Barbara. Su- oh, it's Susan Barbara? Is the, Susan this, is that's the... Right, Susan's student. the student guy. I, I'm already fucking up everyone's names. So, <laughs> Two school teachers, Ian Chesterton and Barbara Wright, become increasingly interested in their prolific but strange student, 15-year-old Susan Foreman. When Barbara tries to get a glimpse of her home life, she finds an empty junkyard lot with no home. Barbara and Ian decide to wait for Susan outside of the address to see where she goes. When they see Susan enter the junkyard, the two enter and encounter an old police box and an eccentric old man. When he refuses to answer their questions about Susan, the teachers force their way into the police box where they hear Susan inside. Once in, they discover the police box is actually a strange ship, and Susan and her grandfather claim to be aliens from a different time and world. After a long argument about whether or not to let the two teachers go, a struggle breaks out over the controls of the TARDIS, and the group find themselves stranded in a desert setting of unknown time and place. What a wonderful recap of the first episode. <laughs> I've got I've got three more to go. So let's let's go ahead and discuss this first episode a little bit, because as I do like an unearthly child in general, but I think most of what I like about it is in this first episode. I think this first episode has more in it than the rest of the story combined. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, uh, yeah, I think I'd agree. Um, the first the first episode is definitely my favorite of the story. Um, broadly speaking, I think the episodes get increasingly worse as the story continues. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but I'm, I took notes as I was as I was. Uh watching this and just made a couple of observations the first one being that ian and barbara are like gossiping over the students and now that i'm an adult and i have several friends who are teachers i can 100 percent attest 
to the fact that this absolutely happens all the fucking time <laughs> of teachers just being like, oh my god, this fucking kid. I sw- oh, he's your problem too? I swear, it is it's, it is never, never a day goes by kind of thing. Just as I was going through it, I was writing down different like jokes I made as I was riff- riffing it. Like when um, Barbara gives susan the uh the history book and susan opens it and is like that's not right i was like it's a public school textbook susan don't expect too much in terms of accuracy <laughs> grant i wonder how i wonder how, well it's the uk so they can't be that much more accurate than u.s textbooks yeah who knows i can't imagine it's that different i think one thing i would note about this episode uh and it's out uh, of the reoccurring thread for me is like the really extreme leaps in logic such as or just i don't know to me it was strange that susan or barbara was like hmm this susan child is kind of weird she's really smart but also like gets things wrong i'm gonna stalk her and find out where (laughs) she lives and what's going on there yeah the the teachers were a little bit too on board with hey let's stalk one of our students like barbara was just like just suggested hey maybe we should go check out her home life and ian was like fucking down like yeah okay i'll get my car let's go let's go fucking wait for her outside of her home and see what happens and they're not even being subtle about it like the car's like literally parked in front of the door (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely not they were just just directly (laughs) in front of it um but i don't blame barbara too much for being suspicious of Susan, because one of the things that popped out to me the most in this episode was how much Susan sucks at being undercover. Susan yeah. has no chill whatsoever. Not like, whatsoever. just openly dis- openly disputing the history and science teacher and just being just so obvious, like, and weird. Like, not in a 1960s way, but in a, like... No, your science is wrong. <laughs> kind of yeah, like, like when she's talking to Ian and she's like, we're just using passive chemicals. This is boring. Can we do something like interesting? <laughs> I want to fucking blow up the school, Mr. Chesterton. Can we do that? And My like, old school used to let me do that. And the, res- and the response is, how quaint. Right? <laughs> what a curious girl. My, good- my goodness. And so it's obviously been a while since I've watched this episode. I sometimes forget that the doctor's very first companions are just straight up kidnapped by him. <laughs> he just kidnaps these two hapless humans. And like this getting a bit of a head of ourselves, like, cause I thought, I thought like, okay, by the end of this story, like it'll resolve and they'll be like, oh, I guess we'll just go on more adventures with the doctor. But no, the plot, the plot's not over. <laughs> they're still trapped. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're still, uh, held at a uh, spatial gunpoint by this old man. By the end, of, by the end of the story. Speaking of um, the doctor, uh, hmm. one thing that kind of went against my expectations was a uh, kind of how much of like a massive dickhead the doctor is. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I came, it's like, he oh, is... he's gonna be whimsical, and there might be some snork, but he's like, hey, who the fuck are you guys? Why the fuck I are would... you here? I would say that throughout the series, the doctor is consistently like a Willy Wonka character. And that can fluctuate anywhere from the pure imagination, isn't this all wonderful type of Willy Wonka, and also the I'm going to show these children um, a chicken's head getting cut off in this horrible tunnel kind of Willy Wonka, 
or the, oh no, a child is currently dying in front of me. I guess I'll eat some candy while I watch kind of Willy Wonka. <laughs> Can't you see in a world of pure imagination? And so a thing happens um, near the end of this episode where, you know, the Ian and Barbara barge into the TARDIS and they're like, what the fuck is this? And Susan, it, it seems reasonable for the doctor to be like, if we let them go, then we have to go. Because they'll come back with police and stuff. Because, like, he knows humans. Humans are physically incapable of shutting the fuck up. It's so, <laughs> as a human, I can attest to this. And so it just seems so... It seemed unreasonable to me at first that Susan was, like, not okay with this plan. Of, no, I don't want to leave. Because they're both, like, travelers through space and time. Why is it that she doesn't want to leave? But, I mean, this is jumping way ahead, and I'm not going to spoil anything. But given some things that happen with Susan later, I have more of an understanding of why she's like, I don't want to go. At the very end of this, at the very end of this, uh, this episode, while the Doctor is definitely a dick, I know, did notice, at least this is what I read from William Hartnell's acting, is like they've landed in the new in their new location and then the doctor is kind of the only one currently conscious and he's just kind of looking around with the look on his face like oh shit what did i just do this was a really bad plan <laughs> so any other notes about this first episode before we move on just uh I, again i might be being overly critical right now but um hmm. his first going back to his first introduction in the warehouse yeah. or whatever that scene was weird to me how so um well because like they're there and they're like hey like we we saw susan come in here do you know where she is and the doctor would basically go i don't know what you're talking about and you can't see me right now but then he like leaned over and like raised his eyebrows really big <laughs> <laughs> like fucking test me on this young man or like, or like, it's kind of like, you know, like in L.A. Noir, where like you're doing the interviews and like you have to tell other people are lying and they're like, no, I've never heard that. And their face contorts and twists. Yeah. The, the actor has to pretend to lie. Yeah. Even though acting is just lying with a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It was, it, it seemed very stage acting, which makes sense given the period it was made in. But it, it was just weird because he's basically just walking around being like, I've never heard of her. Waggle my eyebrows. <laughs> Crinkle my nose. Yeah, um, William William Hartnell was known for playing um, either um, like gangsters or the he played a lot of military roles, and um, he was usually like the straight man in any sort of comedy he was in. He was very no nonsense. So one of the reasons why he was cast as the Doctor was because they wanted to give him a chance to play a role that was fun that wasn't just his usual bruiser type character <laughs> that he played in his younger days interesting well i would say again i'm gonna be critical because i'm a shit actor but uh you you could tell that maybe that was not his type <laughs> yeah yeah and again this is the first episode so it takes some time to like settle into the character well i agree and like um, in the later episodes, I definitely kind of, I got into the groove a little bit more. Um, I started to believe it a little bit more. 
Um, it's just the fir that first scene specifically is just really bizarre to me. Okay, so should we move on to the next episode? Yes, episode two. So I think this is only one paragraph. Episode two opens on Za, a caveman who rigorous who rigorously rubs his bone for several minutes. <laughs> 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 so this is what you meant by the plethora of caveman jokes yes <laughs> and uh, it, it's amazing because that's a hilarious line and also 100% accurate it is 100% accurate <laughs> in order to stay leader of his tribe Zah must create fire his main, his main competitor Kel claims that he will be the one to make fire and take control of the tribe Kel sees an opportunity to do this when he discovers the doctor and his companions after ambushing him Kel brings the doctor to the tribe. When the time travelers try to follow his trail, they are captured by the tribe and taken to the Cave of Skulls. And I, that's basically the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, remember before when I said that a lot happens over the course of a story in Classic Who, but not so much in the individual episodes? <laughs> Here's an example of that. Well, a lot happened in the first episode, kind of as we first elaborated. But a then, lot yeah. happened in the first episode, yeah. But then, yeah, these next three episodes, you're like, hmm, this is a lot of all in the same room. Yeah, um, yeah, I have some, I have some notes, but um, I, I think having the first trip that the Doctor takes, the first trip in Doctor Who period, being like the earliest moments of human history that's relatively recorded i think is a good idea as like the beginning does that make sense i guess. I, I think it's it's a good i don't know like a benchmark of like we're gonna go to all these places but first let's start at like the beginning of humanity kind of thing i don't know yeah i suppose uh, <laughs> i don't know um caveman like movies were like really popular around this time period i believe really? uh uh, if i remember correctly because like there were a bunch of at least i remember watching like movies about cavemen that came out in this period when they did like the old claymation animation of dinosaurs i'll I take your word I, on it i, I cannot quote <laughs> no, that yeah. and i'm not a film professional do not take anything i say is even remotely true but i distinctly remember at least one 60s movie about cavemen <laughs> well at least if there's at least one that means there were probably others therefore it was a trend <laughs> absolutely um I I don't know. Um, maybe it's because like it's hard to sell me on caveman. Period. But I think I would have preferred something different. And I don't know we'll see. We'll see with like the Daleks um, episodes. How do you know that's what's out. next? Because I read. I was on Britbox. It says episode <laughs> episode five, the Daleks. <laughs> but I have a feeling that I probably would have preferred starting there because I I don't know. It, it was. <laughs> It was really hilarious. I'll give it that. Well, what's funny is that when the show was first conceived, and I do not remember where I read this, but I'm I almost certain that I read it somewhere. The show, I think, was originally conceived to be almost educational for the children viewers in a way. Like, still family-friendly, like everyone can enjoy it, but educational for any sort of younger viewers, which is why the first companions are... Uh, two teachers and their student and I don't know how long to keep this trend up but one of the ideas was that they would go from a history episode to a science fiction episode to a history and back and forth back and forth to explore different aspects of 
history and science, and I'm pretty sure they abandoned that within the first ten episodes. <laughs> but I think it is worth noting. There are a couple of notes I made for this episode, one being the TARDIS being bigger on the inside, I can believe. The difference in the size of the doors, I cannot accept. The doors are so much bigger on the inside than they are on the out, and I don't know, like, is it like a, is it an Alice in Wonderland type situation where, like, the door just gets smaller and smaller until they finally step out, or what? (laughs) Um, I also made the note that I really like Susan's coat. Pour one out for Susan's coat because it does not last long. (laughs) (laughs) uh i also made the note ah the first of susan's many many whining freakouts yeah i i know that too um (laughs) um well i didn't write it down but i noticed that the women are prone to hysterics (laughs) (sighs) yeah and it's a it's a little cringe i'm not gonna lie it's a little cringe it it takes a minute (laughs) <laughs> for the show to be like oh we can have these female characters being people hmm yeah it just I had, well i wish i had thought of that sooner <laughs> because ian will just go around and be like well what the devil is going on this doesn't make any sense and susan and susan and uh, barbara are like this is terrible everything's going wrong we're gonna die yeah susan spoiler alert susan's gonna have a whole lot of sprained ankles <laughs> where she'll just be walking along and then look up ah, and just like collapse <laughs> and just be freaking out. <laughs> Don't like, like oh god. Barbara's not as bad, luckily, but Susan Susan's pretty bad. Yeah. It was <laughs> Um and then when the doctor uh went off by himself to get some samples and he uh started smoking on his pipe <laughs> and then the caveman kidnapped him. I made the, I made the note. See, kids, smoking is bad. Don't smoke, or else you'll get kidnapped by cavemen. <laughs> and the scenes where Za and Cal, I think it's is it Cal? Is it Cal? I don't remember. I think it's Cal. I don't know. I think it might, might be Cal. Who who the fuck knows? When anytime they're like going back and forth, trying to prove to the crowd that they are the best chief, and the fact that the tribe so easily get swayed back and forth repeatedly. I made the note of politics are politics no matter how far back you go in human history. <laughs> I do have a note later on on the fourth episode kind of relating exactly to that. So Also, I wrote down I wrote down the quote that Za said was, old men never like new things to happen. Fucking preach, Za. <laughs> Based Za. More things change and more they stay the same, am I right? um it was yeah it was something Uh, again cavemen aren't my aesthetic i guess but also just like the caveman dialogue there were also things that i thought were like gonna come up later or like be explained more that just weren't like what um well i mean like you can kind of like imply that orb the orb they keep talking about i'm assuming that's the sun i'm assuming it's the sun yeah um i don't know i feel like i would because like that was like an interesting bit of world building that just we didn't get around to. Um, yeah. I also thought the cave of the skulls would have some sort of like ritual pur- purpose, but no, it's just where all the fucking dead people are. Uh, yeah. F- uh, fun fact about that 
uh, <laughs> that cave, those were not props. Oh yeah, those were actual. <laughs> those were actual skulls that they uh, borrowed, I guess, from a nearby abattoir. The UK uh, borrowed things. <laughs> I know. Imagine. Interesting. <laughs> Our UK listeners going to hate us. Eh, well, they know. They borrowed the skulls from the abattoir, and a pa- shock of all shocks, the skulls had a very unpleasant smell underneath the hot studio lights. Big yikes. So, <laughs> I think it might be in the third episode. The doctor is in the cave of skulls, and he says, Ugh, that smell. I don't think that was in the script. I'll bet you that was just William Hartnell not realizing that they were rolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then, and then the director was like, Hey, it, that does smell bad. Keep that in there. Keep that in there. It's like, oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that was the second episode. So, yeah. Would so like that was take it away for the third? Unless you have anything else you want to say about this specific episode. No, n- nothing really happens. Um, Za literally rubs a bone and tries to start fire for at least the first five or six minutes of the episode. <laughs> and then, yeah, then they get captured. And then, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now now I remember what you're talking about. Like the the rubbing of the bone. Because he's just like, ha- he's holding the bone above the kindling and is just like rubbing it in between his hands. And he's just rubbing hands, it between his hands. <laughs> not not <laughs> touching the kindling at all. I don't know. Maybe my 21st century brain is too developed, but I'm like, obviously, that's not going to do anything. Yeah, I mean, they're fucking cavemen. Caleb, what exactly I, is it you're expecting? I know, but like, he could have had sticks and a bone between there. I've been like, oh, at least that makes sense. At least it's touching something else. I don't know. I don't know. Cavemen make me mad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Third episode. Okay. Um, this is where I stopped giving a fuck, so I didn't distinguish between episodes three and four. So just stop me whenever I get to the end of episode three. <laughs> Okay. Cal and Za hope to coerce the doctor into teaching one of them how to make fire, but the group is released by an old woman of the tribe who is afraid fire will bring danger to it. When Za discovers this, he chases the group through the woods. Cal also discovers the old woman in the cave, and he kills her when he finds out that she released the travelers and blames the murder on Za. While chasing the group through the forest, Za is attacked and nearly killed by a creature of the forest. Instead of running away, the group stops to help Za and heal his wounds. Together, they help bring Za back to the tribe, which I think is episode four, because actually, the way this episode ends is they're going back to the TARDIS, yeah, and then the, all of yeah. Cal and the cavemen appear. Yeah, yeah, the third episode ends with them getting ambushed on uh, at the TARDIS. So, <laughs> again, I wrote down a quote, because they're trying to escape, and like Ian is very not, not being very effective with the cutting of their bonds, and the Doctor just keeps talking shit. And Ian says, don't just lie there criticizing us. Do something. Help us all get out of here. And again, I was like, preach, Ian. Fuck. <laughs> Doctor's being a whiny bitch. <laughs> there was another bit that made me laugh so hard. Because, you know, they get thrown to the Cave of Skulls. It's a very intimidating place. And they move a giant boulder in front of the entrance so that they can't escape. And then the old woman comes in through the door... That's on the other side of the cave. I was just like, ah, so there was another entrance to the cave. Gosh, if only we had looked a little bit to the left, we might have been able to get out of there. Yeah, it's not, it's not even like it was like some great signal. Like there were literally just like sticks in the way. It, like it was like there was like a bush there. But there was a, such a clear gap 
in the thing that clearly led outside. I was like, how is this your main prison area? Well, given he... Or at the very least, how do you not have two rocks? Well, you know, they're cavemen, Mac. Yeah, you can't (laughs) expect too much of them. I mean, they can't even make fire. Exactly. (laughs) They rubbed a bone between his hands to try to make fire. (laughs) The question is, why didn't the travelers notice the door? It was... was Exactly. (laughs) Why didn't they they walk through? It didn't even... Like, ah, man, there's no way to get out of here. I'm just going to assume that instead of looking slightly to my left to confirm it. I'm just going to assume. Since the old lady is here again, um, this is a good moment to talk about, like, I don't know, like, world building or, like, the actual plot I thought we were going to get at some point that just mm-hmm. didn't develop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because the episode before implies that the old lady knew Zaz's dad um, and mm-hmm. she didn't know how to make fire, but she's seen something. Um, and that motivates her to get the group out because fire brings danger. But why does she? Why did? But why does she think that? Can we get? Can we get a little? Can we get a little lore? Can we get a little? Can we get a little history on the tribe? Nah, just cavemen shenanigans. Speaking of the old woman, I noticed like even in the credits, she is the only caveman with speaking part with a speaking part that does not have a name. She is only ever referred to as the old woman. My theory is that she was born before names were invented. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's that's headcanon I will accept. And she she's she's obviously against new things. She doesn't like the fire. So maybe when people were picking names, she was like, "No. Names are stupid. No need name. Old woman. Name bring danger." But it's interesting that you don't that you don't like any of the caveman stuff because you didn't mention her <laughs> you didn't mention her in any of the the recap which is um true uh, uh, Z- Zaz's wife partner lady that he hangs out with and probably fucks on the reg maybe cuz like she also seems to be traded between whoever is in charge yeah cuz that that was something that was something I noted in the last episode was the father, whose name is Horg, which I'm pretty sure isn't said out loud, but is mentioned in the credits, which just leads credit credence to my uh, my old woman was born before names thing. Horg was like the middleman where he was like, Za has good points. Kyle has good points. We should listen to both Kyle and Za. And everyone's just like, fuck you, old man. We're not doing that. There's only one chief. <laughs> So Horg clearly has the one brain cell and he passed that along to his daughter because she is she makes the point to her father that saying, hey, if you give me to Za and Za becomes chief, Za will remember this and repay you with meat later. And there's just so much of like Za not having any idea of what to do until her says something. That she almost strikes me as, like, a caveman version of Lady Macbeth. <laughs> as just, like, the real machination, like, the the real brains behind the operation, but uses her, air quotes, husband as the face and the blame kind of thing. I can see that. I left her out of the description because I was pressed for words. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, There's just... There's just so much but, that happens. I know, there's so much that happens. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, in the sense that, you know, she's obviously the more cognitively developed of the group. 
Mm-hmm. And, like, pretty much all the rational, reasonable things happen between her and her father. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, would, I would argue that they're almost more rational than the time travelers at points. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, and I'm, we'll, we'll be getting to that <laughs> here in a uh, minute. More of just talking about, like, the time travelers make very strange decisions. At least they the do decisions make very I strange. wouldn't have made. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I made. I also made a note where um, they escape and they're relying on Ian, Barbara, and Susan remembering the way back to the TARDIS because the Doctor was knocked out when he got to the cave. And I just was just like, I'd be screwed if if I was with them because I have a terrible sense of direction and I'd be like, I don't know, fucking that way. It's as good as it's as good as think, ways I think any. It's I Ian have has no a, a line where he references that like they're relying on Susan because you know she's such a freak and she's so smart that she knows where she's going. Yeah. I mean, he makes the point in the first episode where he doesn't know whether to scold her or turn the class over to her. And I feel like now that he's seen that she wasn't bullshitting when she said she was from another time and space, I think he might be like, she might be smarter than me, but it's also the 1960s and he can't really accept the <laughs> fact that a woman is smarter than him. There was, there was a really funny line that it wasn't, it wasn't written to be funny, but I thought it was funny where they're escaping and Barbara stops and she's like, I saw something in the bushes. And the doctor says, what nonsense. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, things it's can't nighttime. move. Everything's asleep. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I may, just made a note of God damn it, Barb, because <laughs> uh, they because they they rested for a couple of minutes, even though the cavemen would be on their asses any moment, and they get up and she immediately falls. She just immediately falls and then starts crying at the sight of the dead boar. It's a fucking pig, Barbara. Calm down. It's not going to hurt you. And yeah, it was another one of those like, cringe, like, oh, women are so weak and frail, aren't they, moments. Right. Very cringe. And, and while they were running away from the from the cavemen, I just, the, the, uh, the old phrase of you don't have to outrun the bear, you just have to outrun the person next to you, kept popping into my head. <laughs> um, and then Za gets injured. And in the most everyone's way just, possible. Yeah, he gets he gets injured from a beast, a beast? tiger. I, Who I, knows? I honestly love that moment because you can tell they just didn't have a budget yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're they're like, oh, he got attacked by something. I don't know. The camera was real shaky and focused on Ian. I think the whole time <laughs> <laughs> their budget was uh, was three cents and some hopes and dreams. That was about it. Their 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 budget was cutting to the group looking horrified and then putting lipstick on Zah's chest. <laughs> Actually, fun fact about the budget: um, the writers originally intended. So the the TARDIS is stuck as a police box from the nineteen sixties. Despite the fact I don't remember if they actually mention this, but there's something in the TARDIS called the Chameleon Circuit, which is supposed to shape shift the TARDIS into whatever would blend in the best where wherever it is they land so it might turn into like a rock or something or a cave or whatever um and but but the doctor is just like why didn't it change it was supposed to change this is very peculiar they originally intended for the tardis to have a working chameleon circuit except 
they couldn't afford <laughs> anything more than just the one prop. <laughs> So they, so they're like, ah, uh, it's fucking broken. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's busted. Uh, the uh, the 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 chameleon circuit. Yeah, that's it. Chameleon circuit was uh, broken. So which is kind of hilarious. How like you know like a budget thing um, ended up making like the iconic thing of the series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they. I don't remember them naming it at this point, but. The doctor does have that line of like it was supposed to change. So and then so Zog gets attacked and everybody goes to help him. The doctor is the only one who is like against it. It's and the first time I'm I agree with, with the doctor the whole time. Yeah, I'm with the doctor. Fucking go. <laughs> the TARDIS is right over there. <laughs> I know everyone's like we have to help him. I was in my mind. I'm like, uh, Why? fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. He just tried to kill you. I literally don't give a shit. In about two seconds, he's going to stop existing when I go forward in time. And and then they, like, make a tourniquet for... Or not not a tourniquet. Uh, what, am, what word am I looking for? Like a... Um, oh, like a gurney? To carry yeah, him on? Yeah, yeah. Like, like something to carry him on back to the cave. You know, the cave they were just running away from. And there, and again, rip uh, Susan's coat. Because that's where it, that's where it's used, and the doctor says, "You don't expect me to carry him, do you?" And then Ian replies with, "You don't expect the women to do the job for you, do you?" And then the doctor helps him carry it, and I'm like, "Ian, in this specific, I like, I know you're from the '60s, and you're sexist as all hell. It comes with the territory, but in this case." I think the women would probably be a better option than the man who would actively try to drop him and try to brain him with a rock. Because he tries to brain him with a rock. (laughs) The doctor, like, lifts a rock, clearly intending to kill this man. And Ian is like, what are you doing? And the doctor's like, nothing. Nothing. Pay no attention. Don't worry about it. He's like, look at this rock. Curious. So, yeah, they get back to the TARDIS, and then they get ambushed by all the cave people who somehow got to the TARDIS before they did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, how, how much time do you think passed? Granted, they did probably spend a long time making that gurney. Because, uh, again, it's literally... It's it's on the list of the dumbest things that happens in the story. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely... It was definitely the the dumbest part of just like, why? Fucking go! The, it's right there! <laughs> it's right there, why? Literally, fuck that guy! <laughs> Ian, you're a science teacher. You don't even have like an actual doctorate. Like you don't you don't have a Hippocratic oath or anything. You can just go. <laughs> the doctor isn't a doctor of medicine. He doesn't have a Hippocratic oath. And the fact that it, it really is like the first time where I like agree with the doctor 100% on something he yeah. says. He's like, we should go. Like we don't need to help this guy. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Listen to the doctor for once. Uh, but yes. And then the cavemen are there, somehow. And then episode four. Then episode four. So after they bring them all back, Kel kind of like rallies the cavemen, uh, claiming that Za killed the old woman after he helped free the time travelers. Uh, And then the doctor tricks Kel into confessing that (laughs) that he's the one that killed the old lady. And then rouses the cavemen. I'm sorry, I can't can't get through it. And then... (laughs) And then the time travelers arouse the cavemen to, like, drive him from the group. 
Um, and I'm oh, sorry, I lost my place. I was laughing too hard. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> so Zaw for some reason is not grateful at all to the companions for saving his life and holds them hostage until they can make fire when the companions do show him how he's still kind of a dick for some reason and doesn't let them go <laughs> after somehow tricking the cavemen again by setting skulls on fire the travelers make it back to the TARDIS and escape from this time period but the struggles are not over as they find themselves in a desolate forest with unknown dangers there's a lot in this episode for like really <laughs> bizarre reasons <laughs> See, the thing is, um, I know you were super laughing about it, but honestly, the scene where the doctor convinces him to um, confess to murder and, like, turns the crowd against him, turns the crowd against Kal, that was kind of one of my favorite scenes. Because the doctor just, like, used their own language. Like, he didn't talk down to them. He wasn't... Like he used this. This is one of the things I like about this series in general is when they have to use their own because they're just dudes like talk about how much he's from a different time and place all you want. The doctor's just a guy. So being able to use his brain to get out of the situations is I think one of my favorite parts about the series and using because he's like that is not a good knife. This 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 knife does not show what it has done because it because it's like. Because Cal's like, here, he used this knife to kill the old woman. And the doctor's like, the knife does not show what it has done. It is not a good knife. And, like, says that um, that there is no knife, but there is no knife finer, but it has not shown what it has done. And Cal's like, oh, yeah, I have a finer knife. And he's like, that knife has shown what it has done because it has blood on it. And, like, he just uses their own language, ways that they would be able to understand to turn the crowd against Cal, I thought it. I thought it was a good scene. Uh, uh, I I like the I like the moments where like, he rouses the crowd against Cal. Um, that 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 was fine to me. It's it's really just the fact that like he gets him to admit to it. I don't know through like pride or whatever. The fact he's like this knife has no blood on it, and Cal's like, oh well, I've got a knife with blood on it. Because <laughs> I oh you wanted a knife with I, blood on it? Why didn't you just say something? Because I, I killed the old lady. <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> He obviously knows how to lie. Surely he knows that, like, lying is good. <laughs> well, as we've established, Horg had the one brain cell, which he then passed down to his daughter. So, I know, but... It, Cal's stupid. <laughs> it's, really, it's really just that one moment. I'm just like, this knife has no blood on it. And Cal is just like, oh, well, I've got a knife of blood on it from the old lady I killed. Well, I think it's more like he had all this time to come up with this lie. And so he's going to tell this lie. But the the moment that he's called on it and is given and is shown proof that his lie is a lie, he's like, I don't, I'm not smart enough to lie on the fly, so I'm just going to, yes, yes, I I, I did it. <laughs> okay, I can see that, I guess. Um, but yeah, let's stop. Oh, on the, on the topic of language, real quick, can I just say this? Hmm. I feel I feel like it's inconsistent on whether or not the cavemen can understand the time travelers at least in the cave of skulls episode because i feel i feel like the cavemen straight up have a line where like the doctor's trying to talk to them and they're like oh what's he say i think it's more like he's using more than one syllable words so they have no idea because ian called himself a friend when he's rescuing za for some stupid reason and so they just work under the assumption that ian's name is friend 
moving forward because they have absolutely no idea what they didn't know what the word friend meant they didn't have a word for that i suppose and um the scene where this this is going back to when i was talking about how this is like the early like politics are politics no matter how far back in human history you go because za makes the deal with the with the with the tardis crew that if he if they make him fire he will let them go but then they make fire and he's like no you'll stay here and you'll make more fire for me later so uh, so the note i wrote down was typical politician sure they promise to release you from the cave of skulls if you give him fire during the campaign but once he's elected bah! <laughs> uh yeah and then they ran away and i made a note of god damn it barb again again <laughs> falling down like immediately. i said i said you're worse than frodo <laughs> <laughs> and then so they escape in the tardis tardis dematerializes away and they land somewhere else and the doctor is like what's what's it like what's the geiger counter say and susan looks at it and says it's all clear and then they they go out to investigate and then the geiger counter immediately starts going up and into the red and i made the note of god damn it susan watch the geiger counter for more than half a second would you <laughs> there there were a couple more uh pieces of trivia that i had no idea where to where, where to put it in so when they were creating the set and they were bringing in all these tropical plants for the forest and everything, a lizard was accidentally brought on set along with all the plants and Carol Ann Ford took it home and kept it as a pet. <laughs> and fun fact, the very first episode was delayed when it was first released um, because the uh, Kennedy assassination happened. Hmm. And so, you know, they were delayed by about five minutes. Um, and so not a whole lot of people caught the first episode of Doctor Who because, you know, a major world leader just died. That was kind of more pressing. So when the, so when the second episode was, um, about to be broadcast, they decided to air the first episode immediately before. And that, while reruns are a, are a commonplace now, that was practically fucking unheard of in 1963. So I think the popularity of that kind of was the beginning of the snowball of making reruns a thing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, one of the actresses hired to play a cavewoman misunderstood her part. She thought that she was going to be modeling furs for Dr. No, the James Bond film. And then she was given a whole bunch of rags. And she learned that she was going to have to blacken some of her teeth up. And she stormed off set and never returned. <laughs> Which is an attitude I do not understand at all. Because as someone who is trying to have like a career as an actor. Fucking hell lady. A gig's a gig. Who gives a shit? <laughs> that actually perfectly encapsulates what I think actors are like. So <laughs> yeah. Much. The And Susan's initial uh, costume um, has jeans but originally carol ann ford was wanting to wear uh tights that's what she brought on set because like the the striped top that she wears in this episode that's hers and she brought on tights as well uh but the tights were considered too sexy <laughs> so she wore jeans instead wow uh, okay <laughs> 1963 god damn it 1963 
So yeah, anything to say about this particular episode before we start talking about the episode as a, the story as a whole? Uh, yeah. Can we? We we gotta talk about the flaming skulls. Yeah, and just again, one of those moments of just. I I found myself laughing in this episode the most. Um, like there were like a few parts in, like the other episodes where I was like, huh, that was kind of funny, or like, huh, that's really dated. But like I'm I laughed pretty consistently in this episode. <laughs> it just uh, uh, again, I know they're cavemen. I know they're cavemen, but but also, the flaming skull thing is so crazy. <laughs> they're like, oh. the fact that this is like, wow, look at this uh, skull and this stick with the fire. It looks almost alive. And Ian's like, oh, it's almost dead. I can totally understand. Ian's like, we're gonna try this because they're, they're cavemen. But then the cavemen came in and they're like, oh, oh, what is that? And then it just falls over and Zaz like, it's a trick. <laughs> This isn't a, this isn't a demon. It's a stick with a skull on it. I think between having just a bunch of sticks with flaming skulls on it, and then them watching the TARDIS materialize away, I think while in addition to bringing fire to these cavemen, I think they also inadvertently invented the concept of gods. Spiteful <laughs> because, gods. Yeah, and just like. Because the the fucking flaming skull thing that's intimidating. Like it's a it's a common biker tattoo for a reason. <laughs> and so also Loki invented biker gangs. Also Loki invented biker gangs. And so like them seeing those skull the flaming skulls and freaking the fuck out. Like I get it. <laughs> I would actually love it's fucking scary, man. I would actually love going forward if there was just a bit at the end of the episode showing like later in time about how the time travelers like changed history or something (laughs) (laughs) uh i wish okay so final thoughts on an unearthly child well i'm very disappointed that i wasn't even remotely correct about what the episode was about yeah (laughs) this was not about alien jesus man so sorry how cool would that have been, though? That would have been fucking awesome. I'm still waiting on the Alien Jesus story. I'm sure it'll be great when they eventually finish it. I just, I, I love the idea of, like, they're like, this this is the Christ child, and the camera pans down, and it's like a little Dalek trash can. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Jesus was a Dalek. <laughs> uh, I still don't know what that is yet, but I know they look like trash cans. Yeah, I mean... That's not that's not too far off. Overall, it was fine. I I would say, to be honest, if I was like watching the show casually on my own, I'd probably start with the new series anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Like, honestly, if I if I was going to advise someone watch Doctor Who for the first time, other than for podcast purposes, I would say start with New Who because it's more exciting and modern and everything. And then if that intrigues you enough come back and watch where it all began because that's literally what i did but um but like it was fine i i enjoy watching older things um i kind of i like to think i'm a a little bit of a film buff slash tv buff so yeah like it was fine i i thought it oh i i still kind of stand by my point of like i I wish it wasn't caveman i wish the first that story wasn't caveman i really do well luckily for you the next episode is not caveman. <laughs> As I understand, it's, it's literally cans. the opposite. <laughs> they're kind, they're um, kind of bookending time, uh, if I'm going to predict it. Yeah. I kind of 
I think it does a solid job of just like establishing a benchmark of where to go from here. Like they, it was intriguing enough to make you want to keep watching, but also not bad enough, but it had room to improve. It had plenty of room to go forward from there. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the first episode of this story is leagues better than all of the other episodes combined. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> but uh, I think it does a good job of like setting up, setting up the characters and making the dynamics. Now uh, Susan just needs to stop freaking out so much, and Barbara needs to stop fucking falling down every five seconds, and we'll be golden. It'll be perfect. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Do I have any other points about the show? Oh, this is kind of going back to like the kind of end of the last episode but the fight scene in the cave was really confusing uh i i had trouble telling za and kel apart the whole time anyway yeah but th- but yeah, then the fight, much but then the fight was over like until i saw za's face i like genuinely had no idea who won yeah <laughs> i mean i guess i guess it was kind of suspenseful in that in that uh sense of just like i have no idea who's currently winning and then Cal gets brained, and you're like, I still have no idea who just won. <laughs> I guess maybe it was intentional, but either way, the whole time. No, I was no, like... it was absolutely not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to see a bright spot in that scene, which was apparently one of the first things that they filmed. And um, the actor's reactions to the fight is, was their genuine first reaction to watching these to watching the invention of sumo wrestling <laughs> i know it was kind of like, like it was mostly them just like pushing each other over it was even like thrilling but yeah that is the first episode of not only doctor who but our podcast huzzah. um huzzah if you'd like to talk to us about the show you can find us on twitter at i have insert twitter handle here uh caleb what is our twitter handle again oh god our i forgot we made a twitter didn't we i'm gonna have to look it up we did make a twitter we promise we'll be more professional no we won't no we won't that's a lie we're gonna look up we're gonna look it up every time i think it's quick trip dw i might be wrong but like we won't regardless of where you're listening to this we're going to have it in the description <laughs> so just go there <laughs> but if you'd like to talk to us in general you can uh find us at mac the Meh, all one word and um at clb underscore clark yeah that's by my twitter handle since high school so <laughs> and you can find this podcast on itunes i'm assuming you're taking care of the publishing um and also on my youtube channel which is mac the meh three words not one word this time and you can join us again on our next quick trip through space and time in which we meet one of the not one of the most iconic villain in all of doctor Who history in the daleks trash cans trash cans
so we should probably sync up the recordings first. So I figured, like, I'll say one, you say two, and then three, and then, like, back and forth, so that when you send me the audio, I'll know how to oh, yeah. sync okay. it up. Okay. Okay. So, one. Two. Three. One. <laughs> Why did you go backwards? You said we're coming to three. And then you said do we'll it again. Up, we'll go up to five, okay? <laughs> okay. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. <laughs> this all has one, to be in there. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Okay. Boom. We're good. In I theory, all, I we're want all good. of that in episode one. We will we will see. 